from way downtown. Bang! Welcome in to Beers and Buckets, and uh, just for my boy Dal, hello there. Yeah, he nodded. If you didn't, uh, I, w- I, w- I wish I could do. I wish I could do a good General Grievous. General uh, Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, um, that was better than I could have done. I mean, I more sounded like the Boulder from Avatar, but it's it's all good. <laughs> um, all right, we're joined by Gus Kearns of Screen the Screener podcast. We've had him on a couple times. Gus, how the heck are you, man? It's nice to catch up with you guys. You know, the basketball off season does what it does. Coaching carousel, transfer portal, NBA draft declarations, who's getting invited to the combine, you know, just, just that rolling. Yeah, I mean, this, this offseason has been, the last two offseasons have been incredibly fun for NCAA basketball, like, just because of the NIL and um, transfer portal, it, there's no longer a quiet season. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of dip and uh, excitement, but then it picks right back up. Um, and then at the next deadline we have to look forward to is those opting out of the draft or, you know, whatever it is. So I'm excited for that. Um, and yeah, I'm just, it's just gonna be really fun. I'm really excited for it. So, uh, speaking of the draft and the NBA, do you guys know what Dow predicted last week and for the Western conference finals, what, how many games did he say the Mavericks were going to win it in? How many did Dow you say would, Dow? How many I'm did you curious. Say Dow? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Did I you said say Mavs six, seven. seven? I said Mavs in seven. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a four-game series. Maybe. I don't know. We've seen the Warriors blow a big lead like this before, but maybe. I don't know. They also had LeBron. We've never seen so. them blow this lead. They blew a 3-1 lead. 3-1 lead. Yeah, so let's say the Warriors lose so tonight. Like, it's a 3-1 lead. So Yeah, but... <laughs> not Dude, three straight that, wins. That 3-1 lead, that three one lead came from not a three zero. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Never been done, so <laughs> yeah, they would yeah. need like they would need like prime Chris Paul, Doc Rivers. Who else? Uh, they would need James Harden. They would need like all the like chokey McChokester people to all be on that team to be able to blow a three three zero lead. We should yeah, quit, yeah, we should absolutely. include Charles Smith at the power forward position if that was the case. <laughs> we can throw him in there. They need they need a starting five. Dal, you had Mavs in seven. I think I had Warriors in seven. Definitely thought it was going to be closer than this. I just can't believe game two how they blew that lead. Like I was that was so that was Friday night. I was coaching the spring game. Uh, after the game, we went to a sports bar. I, I mean, I look up and it was like seventy-eight to fifty-six or something, something crazy like that. Maybe it wasn't that big, but yeah. it was, it was, it looked like it was out of reach for the Warriors. And then out of nowhere, I look up and Warriors are up, and at one point they go up like ten. I'm just like, how? How in the heck did that happen? Did you guys watch that game? I did. I, I mean, I the the thing that I keep coming back to, like Steph Curry, greatest shooter of all time. Everyone knows that. The thing that I think is the most underrated is, and I am in a like a group chat with. A bunch of Heat and Celtics fans, so they're going crazy right now as we record. Um, but and they both like love each of their teams' defensive strategy, rotations, everything. But Draymond Green makes it where like the Warriors do not miss a rotation, and it's not even like rotation. He single handedly will like help and then recover where they don't even have to rotate because he's just so good at being a help defender and, like, doing defensive stuff. Like, I don't even know how to, like, put it into words how good he is at running their entire defense that they just, like, don't make mistakes, which the Mavericks can't do anything with. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of, you know, the Warriors are just getting hot at the right time. I mean, you have Andrew Wiggins just balling out this series. Uh, you, you also, it's a, it's a little bit of the Warriors getting hot and like the Suns just absolutely choked that whole last series to make the Mavericks look even better than they were. Uh, cause I mean, like we had, we were talking about Frank Nielakina, you know, holding Chris Paul and D book to like three for 40 when he was guarding them. 
And that, like, I think that's part of his defense. I also just think that, like, Chris Paul and D-Book were just, like, tired and they were just not shooting well. Like, we could chalk it up just bad shooting, I think, too. Absolutely crazy what we're seeing out of the series. It definitely looks like the Warriors are the favorites, no matter who wins the Heat-Celtics series. So let's talk about that game, or that series. What what are we seeing from that that you like? I, I, was, I never thought I'd see another Paul Pierce, like, devastating injury again. And it happened twice in that game the other night. That was pretty incredible. What did you think of that, Gus? Oh, man. I, I tell you what. Smart hat definitely has an eye for the dramatic. And uh, he definitely, you know, executed that to a T. And like you mentioned and you alluded to with the Paul Pierce uh, game, the, 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 the wheelchair game. But to be honest, uh, and just talk like pure basketball, the Celtics are mini copycatting the heat here. I'm sorry, mini copycatting the Warriors here where they're going to put a reliance on the three-point shot that is above and beyond. They're going to defend really well at all positions. Uh, Dal, you you, you referenced uh, Draymond and his excellence on the defensive end. Uh, You know, they have the, the Celtics have the defensive player of the year and he might not even be the best defensive player on his own team. So that speaks to their defensive prowess. And if you're going to have like Jason Tatum kind of grow up before our eyes and go from like a fringe top 15 NBA player to a real certified top five NBA player within a short window, then that's going to work as well. I mean, he had, he has had his clunkers this, uh, this postseason. But, you know, anytime you can roll out the best player on the floor, and that's what Tatum is most days, especially now the Bucks are out, you have a chance to win it, and the Celtics are doing a great job. And, you know, EK is doing a fantastic job his first year coaching. I mean, it's weirdly like a, an incredible series, but every single game, including tonight, it seems like it's going to be like a 25-point blowout, which is weird because the games, because of the way that both teams play – incredibly defense heavy they seem like close games even when they're not because both teams are still like scrappy and playing hard yeah it's very defense based it just comes down to kind of like if you make shots or not which like i guess every game goes down to that but (laughs) yeah the the it's it really does just come down to oh is are the heat gonna get something from gabe vincent and max struess and Tyler Hero, who was playing, like, are they going to get something from their role players, or is Boston going to get something from their role players? And whoever does is going to end up winning that game. Yeah, um, it's an incredibly fun series to watch. Yeah, I mean, despite none of the games really even being close. And I think the the la- the yeah. last thing is it kind of ties in to maybe what we'll talk about in a little bit is the the importance of these role players like a Grant Williams on the Celtics side like a Caleb Martin on the Heat side. And if we're going to go to the Western Conference, you know, we, we've seen that the, the Mavericks are Luka and a bunch of role players. So the, the, the importance of the role player and who you might get in the draft at pick 27 is crucial. Especially this year where there's a top three, kind of top four, like there's the three main guys with Chet, Paolo, and Jabari Smith Jr., and then after that, it seems like there's just there's not a ton of super super high end talent, but it seems like there are going to be a lot of guys that will come in, and you'll be able to say, "Oh, this guy got drafted in the second round, and he turned into a Jalen Brunson for the Mavs, who's essentially their second best player." Or it seems like there there are a lot of candidates for guys like that that teams will get and will actually be able to contribute. And I feel like that we always well, we, that teams always end up overreacting to whatever the kind of flavor of the month is in the playoffs for a little bit there. It was really trying to get a, like a big, be like a rim protector. Then you go to just shooting to now it's like kind of the three and D wing. I feel like it's always kind of been moving towards the more like three and D skilled wing. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting to see like how that's going to play out in the draft and, like what guys go in the forty fifth pick and end up being someone in two years that we're like, oh, that like that person's swinging a playoff game or swinging a playoff series because of what they can do. Yeah, 
Yeah, you you mentioned the combine. There's a couple of guys that I mean their draft stock totally tanked because of the combine. I know one of those we've talked about is on this podcast before, and definitely in our group chat is Leonard Miller. Uh, he's probably going to return either. Uh, he's going to go to college. When I say return. He never went to college, uh, but he'd either go G League or go to college. Um, Zona thinks they can get them. Kentucky thinks they can get them. So. Like what's gonna happen is he's gonna stay in the draft and he's gonna go to the Raptors at thirty three, and Scott, our one of our buddies <laughs> that, that hates Leonard Miller, thinks he's awful because he is like a quintessential Raptors player. I feel like that he's gonna go there in the yeah. second round, and Scott's gonna have to put up with him being on his pro team. There's, I, I'm really yeah. manifesting that. Yeah, I really, I, I hope that happens, but I also really want Leonard Miller to go to college because I think he, he can be good and contribute this upcoming year. Um, but another player that has really, like their their draft stock is like just skyrocketed, Florida State's John Butler Jr. Did you guys see anything from him at the combine? Like he like, I think went like seven for eight from three for like NBA threes and stuff like that. I mean, he comes in, at, he's seven foot and uh, three quarters, a little light though. He's 175. So, but I mean, he was, he was warming up. He worked out with the guards with like Buddy Bayheim and you know, a couple other guys today. I saw his highlights, but he just looks like one of those guys that you, you draft, you take him, you put him in the G League, and then he's just going to start balling out there. And then he'll, he'll just kind of find his, his role there. Almost like what Scalabissier did there for a little bit with the Kings. So. So, yeah, let's. Uh, if you guys don't have anything else on the NBA playoffs, NBA draft, anything like that, let's move on to the beer review. So, Gus, as our guest, we'll, we'll let you go first. What All are you right, drinking? So, I'm tonight? staying local, being based in New Jersey, and we're sticking with a Magnify IPA. Magnify is uh, located in uh, Fairfield, New Jersey, great local brewery. And the IPA that I'm tasting is the main event. It is double dry hopped. Uh, and it has some citra in it. It is one of their signature IPAs, and they uh, just had their seventh reun- uh, seventh anniversary as a brewery, and they bring this one out every uh, anniversary. So totally enjoying it, and uh, really smooth. And the, the backstory is um, the owner of, the, of Magnify Brewery went to college up in Maine, and so this is like his ode to where he went to college and learned about beer. And he, uh, when he was up there, I think he he worked or interned at one of the breweries up there, whether it be Oxbow or uh, one of the other smaller ones. So that's where he learned his craft, and you know he, he uh, you know gives it a nod and gives it a um, you know an homage with uh, the main event. Cheers. The IP the main event IPA is definitely a marquee beer for them. So I'm gonna say it's probably like when. Maybe not John Morant comes to town, since we might talk a little Murray State later, but it might be uh, when Jason Tatum comes to town. So it might be a little bit along those lines. Okay. All right, so I went to my liquor store the other day. We had a cookout, and I needed to grab some beer for the cookout, and I was like, ooh, I'll just grab my beer for the podcast. And I found this, like, this makes for great podcasting, but it's like it looks like an old, like, bourbon bottle, like a spit, like, you know, like whatever it had, like, you know, the cartoon where it has the three X's on it, you know, kind of yeah. like an old bourbon bottle. And it's a Mississippi mud, famous slow brewed black and tan Porter and Pilsner beer. This thing is a quart. Uh, I'm definitely not drinking a quart, a quart of it tonight. Um, but it is, like I said, it's a black and tan Porter and Pilsner. I'm not a Pilsner guy. I'm not really a Porter guy either. So uh, it was $4. So I'm expecting to get my money's worth every cent if I could open it. Um, but the thing, like, I really got it because of the bottle. Because I know, like, I'm going to take a sip out of it. Actually, I'm important glass because I feel like it's easier to drink out of a glass. And then uh, I'm going to clean it out and probably put it somewhere in the office. Because it's a really cool bottle. Uh, so I'll post a picture of it tonight on Twitter or whenever we post this. But yeah, here we go. I don't even know if I want to pour this much because I know I'm not going to drink it at all. Uh, it's 5% ABV, uh, Saranac Brewery. So I don't, I, I'm assuming in Mississippi, I, I have no guess like as to where it actually is. Uh, on Untapped, it's a 3.43 out of 5. So kind of middle of the pack, but got a dark, I mean, obviously a dark color to it. Here it goes. 
Ah, cheers. Yeah, that is disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I do not like well, that. Worst comes to worst, Connor. You can oh, definitely boy. join the jug band with that vessel. I mean, that thing is a massive. Uh, uh. Yeah, like, true. I really wanted to, like, I have a banjo in, in my office. I really wanted to slap, I bring that bad boy out and have somebody just go, doo, 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 you know, and it, uh, like, it tastes like if there was like, you had a little bit of cold brew in the bottom of a, you know, like a, like of an iced coffee, like with, you know, like in the, all the ice melted, it tastes like that. Um, so like, it's not a super strong beer taste. It just tastes like, uh, like there's no creamer and a cold brew and all the ice melted in it. And there's like a bunch of ice and just got really watered down cold brew. So it's like, it's not terrible, but I, I'm not in, I'm not even, I don't even know if I'm going to finish all this. And I poured a very little amount for the listener. So uh, do with that what you will. Shout out to Arizona Terry in our podcasters group from Basketball Buzz. He said he had it and liked it. That dude has terrible taste buds, I guess. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I've had a bad bourbon that he's recommended. So I, I guess there's that. But uh, he's not welcome on the beer podcast as far as I'm concerned. If, that's, if this, he says it's a good beer. So now, what do you actually? No, I, I got to give my uh, basketball comparison for this. Uh, let's just go with the trend. This is like current Mrs. Ole Miss basketball, I guess. Like, <laughs> let's keep it with Ole Miss basketball because they're not wow, they're not super wow. good. Or Mississippi State. I don't know which one. Marshall Henderson slander is real. Uh, that that dude, I love that dude. He was crazy. He was coked up every game. Marshall Henderson was awesome. He was so fun to watch, but. Ole Miss basketball is not fun to watch. They've been better, but I'm I saying mean, like okay. Ole Miss basketball from like 2011, 2012. That's what this beer is. Is Kermit the Frog still yeah, there? Kurt, he is. Yes. Coach Kermit. I believe that, he is. He, and they, 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 they've been competitive each year he's oh, been man. there, but it's just really hard. I mean, you guys know how, how hard it is inside that conference. It's impossible if you're at the bottom. So, Like someone yep. has to be at the bottom of the conference. Yeah. Yep. Good old Kermy. All right. Mine it is it is officially basketball off season, which means that it is like we're in full swing baseball season. We just passed the quarter mark of baseball season. Uh, I waste a lot of time at work doing fantasy baseball things. So I'm keenly aware of uh Hey Dow, I'm gonna interrupt you for a second because my, my roommate just came in. Not my wife, but I actually have a roommate that he we sub rent a room for. And uh, he just turned twenty one. I just wanted him to try this beer. Oh, no. Is it gonna taste bad? I just, just this my is teeth. Caleb. Um he it's just brushed his bad. teeth. I just brushed my teeth. Go lightning. Oh, that's a great combo. <laughs> I like this. that we have a guest <laughs> taster on the podcast. This is all right. Oh, yeah. oh, oh all right, there we go. He, he likes it. He likes you, the cold you brew. Brush your teeth. I actually like this a lot. You like it a lot. Well, you could have it, buddy. You don't like it? No, it's so. It's it, like I told them. It tastes like you drink. Like there's a watered down, like iced coffee with no creamer in it, and it's just like just super watered down iced coffee. I hope it's not because I just brushed my teeth. But it's actually pretty good. <laughs> so if you don't like the initial taste, go brush your teeth and then drink the Mississippi mud. <laughs> yeah, and you, you, you gotta try yeah, it again. You want to like, put it back in the fridge? Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like it. Shout out to Caleb for his Caleb Homer for his initial beers and buckets uh, appearance here. On <laughs> sorry to interrupt you, Doug. Go ahead, bud. Yeah. All right. Well, now back to my wasting time at work with fantasy baseball story. Uh, much more riveting there. Uh, no. So I had a Cincinnati brewery uh, last week. I have another one this week. Uh, Ryan Geist, which is one of the main Cincy uh, breweries. They have an IPA called Hustle, uh, I assume referencing Charlie Hustle, Pete Rose, who is not in the Hall of Fame, even though he clearly should be. Baseball writers are dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a – it's a 6% ABV. So Beer Advocate gives it an 86. Uh, I think it has like a 3.8 out of 5 uh, rating, but we're going to we're gonna try it here. Ooh, it is very hoppy from the from the jump. Looks pretty good. Ooh, it says driving notes Ooh. of peach, tangerine, and citrus. This is obviously is a auditory medium, but the <laughs> the can has a little baseball baseball themes on it. This is pretty good. I mean, definitely not crushable if we're going that scale, but this is this is pretty solid. 
I'll compare it to I'll compare it to Vandy since they're historically one of the better teams in baseball over the last little bit. But yeah, this is this is pretty solid. Hustle. It gives me. I mean, obviously, it's like Cincinnati Reds colors, but I thought you were going to go Cincinnati Bearcats oh. with it because of the Bearcats colors as well. But I like the comparison, you know, with the baseball comparison. So, all right, well, that's it for our beer review. Let's uh, take a break and we'll come back here in a second uh, to talk Murray State and Houston. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. back and we're here to talk about two teams because normally we leave this for with one team uh, to talk about in the offseason each week but as you know sometimes these teams that made it in the top 25 of week 18 of college basketball this past season uh, some are just not interesting and uh, some are just a Cinderella story or you maybe had one good season they knew that they were going to lose a lot of people and that's the case of tonight so no offense to our racers fans but there's not a lot of hype built around this next season for Murray State. And so we're going to talk about Murray State, and we're also going to talk about Houston. For right now, Gus is going to tell us what is going on with Murray State's offseason, who is left, who is returning, and, and I'll tell you a little bit about the incoming players that they have. So, Gus, what happened to Murray State, man? Tell us. Give us a rundown here. Well, I, I, I think we saw the writing on the wall with the mm-hmm. 7-10 matchup in the tournament when Murray State was matched up against San Francisco. And then we saw that, you know, magical St. Peter's, like, took their magic that they could have had an Elite Eight run, a Final Four run. One of those teams could have made it. Murray State could have done, could have been that team. They were 18-0 in conference. You know, they, they had garnered 30 wins. Their coach leaves to go to LSU, and so does pretty <laughs> much half their roster. Uh, their, their point guard, Justice Hill who was uh, really impactful on multiple levels for them, scored in double digits. He goes to LSU, KJ Williams, one of the, one of the biggest, I, I don't know, one of the biggest anchors that you could get on the transfer market, who averaged 18 and eight rebounds. He's also going to LSU. And then, you know, one of the glue guys, Trey Hannibal, who McMahon really favors, he was a uh, average nine points a game. He had forty steals. He's a real he's a real menace on the wing, and a guy that obviously Coach McMahon trusts. So he's off to LSU as well. And then I, I think it's interesting that you know now McMahon and Coach Golden from San Francisco are now going to yep. be butting heads again in conference all the time. Now that he's up at Florida, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see. We can kind of follow their uh, career paths. Uh, you know, simultaneously or almost like parallel to one another to see, who, you know, who gets the upper hand here. And right now it seems like Coach McMahon has decided, yeah, I'm just going to take my guys that got me 30 wins and I'm going to go there. And then we can't talk about Murray State without mm-hmm. talking about Tevin Brown. He's definitely gotten some good feedback from the NBA draft, you know, quote unquote, uh, interview session and process. Big guard. He's one of those guys where people came in to see Ja. And they kind of noticed him as well. And like, oh, let's keep this guy on our radar. Let's see if he develops. Let's see if he becomes something. And he became something. He became the second leading scorer on a team that won 30, that won 30 yeah. games and went to the tournament. So, yeah, he, he, he became something. So now that, like, teams kind of saw and did their homework and were like, oh, yeah, Tevin played with Jot. They know, he, they know Tevin Brown can, doesn't have to be the number one scorer. He can play with a lead guard. He can play with a lead big. So he can shoot the ball. He's a career 38, 39% three-point shooter. And that's been consistent throughout all of his years of, of at Murray State as a racer. And he can do a little bit of everything. He'll rebound the ball. He can handle the ball. He's an underrated passer. So the fact that none of those guys <laughs> are going to return 
is is tricky. So they do bring back something familiar in Coach Steve Prom, and I think this is kind of a smart move for the Racers. One, they're going into a new conference next season, right? So they're going to go into the Valley along with Belmont. Why not bring somebody back that's familiar with the program and has one yeah. big-time basketball? Two, I think the John Morant connection might Absolutely. actually be real. Like, And if you're going to bring back the coach that brought Ja, then, then you might be working with something there where, you know, Murray State becomes a name that you can throw around with Gonzaga or something of that nature. I'm not saying they'll they'll get there, but at least they have the 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 name in the head coaching position that mm-hmm. could accomplish that. And uh, who knows? Maybe the transfer portal is going to be kind, and a former Ohio State, you know, Cyclone Tyrese Hunter comes along with him. I don't know, but that could be something to pay attention to as well. But yeah, I think it's a, a complete rebuild, and I think part of the rebuild is celebrating what happened last season, and they were one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, Olympics. absolutely. Gus, do you know if if he's bringing wasn't didn't he have like some main like recruiting coach that went with him to to Iowa State? Do you know if he's bringing him back? I'm not sure of his staff. I do know that Prom was the person that hired McMahon on the staff at Murray State, so he was responsible for that part. But I'm not sure of his uh, assistant coaches now that he's back at Murray. I'm not sure who. Uh, uh, TJ decided to to keep there, or maybe they went elsewhere because there was a year in limbo there for, uh-huh. for Prom and his his staff. So if you're if you're not employed, yep. you might Will, get William Small is his name. He's an assistant at Kennesaw State now, apparently. So he is not going back, at least not right now. Okay. The owls. Yep. I I put in our document, and the listener has no idea that uh, we have a document of show notes, and we put departing players and returning players and incoming players. I put Steve Prom in as a returning player. That's the only returning player I, I can put there. Uh, not many but there players. are, <laughs> yeah, there isn't any others. Uh, but there are some incoming players. So just recently on uh, May twentieth, they uh, got Sam Murray the second out of Gulfport, Mississippi, to sign with them. He's a six seven, one ninety pound power forward. He's a three star. Plays more of a small ball, small ball four than uh, you know, like a true wing because he's not great at handling the ball. But teams like Baylor and Texas and Mississippi State were they were warm on him and they're out of uh, according to two four seven sports. So uh, that's a, that's a big name to kind of watch for them for Murray State. A couple other names that actually McMahon had recruited that Prom was able to commit uh, convince to stay and uh, kind of recommit to Murray State are Jackson Edwards. He's a six six. Shooting guard, two star of uh, Indiana, um, Justin Morgan, the six six guard from Tennessee. He's a three and D type of player. He's homeschooled, which is you rarely see. I feel like um, uh, Braxton Stacker from the six five guard from St. Louis, Missouri. He actually won Missouri High School All State Defensive Player of the Year last year. So um, they they have a couple of good people coming in. Nothing like a John Morant that we can foresee, but I don't think anybody saw that coming from John Morant. So, um, but also they have this guy, which this is here's a really fun fact. So, Rob Perry's a six four guard transfer from Stetson uh, near and Deland near Orlando. He was the Atlantic Sun Conference Freshman of the Year in 2019-2020, and he played at Oak Ridge High School. Can you name another player that? is a former LSU player that played at Oak Ridge High School. Xavier Pinson. Mm, well, I, he actually, yeah, he did, but that's not the person I was thinking of, though. <laughs> what the heck? Uh, uh, so there's two. the Because he didn't play with Xavier, Xavier Pinson. Xavier Pinson was the one that had that crazy dunk that went viral, uh, right? So there's another guy that played for LSU. Um, Rob Perry didn't play with Xavier Pinson that year. Uh, Xavier Pinson was the year after he played with this other guy that played at LSU who's a power forward. Nas Reed. Backed up Nas Reed. Emmett oh. Williams. Oh, okay. He played at Oak Ridge High School. So I actually went and saw both of these guys play in person because Oak Ridge was five, not even five minutes. It was literally across the street from my house uh, when I lived in Orlando. And uh, they, I went and saw them play Boone High School at Boone High School. And Boone is not a notoriously good basketball program. Oak Ridge is very good. Uh, as you can see, they have a lot of guys that make it D1 to college. 
Boone, you know, Florida High School Association, Sports Association doesn't do shot clock like most high schools. And Boone decided to play four corners ball. And they, yeah, Oak Ridge scored on the first possession. Boone came down, held the ball the entire first half, and then all of second half, and then won in the last two minutes of the game. So they played basically a two-minute game. I went and watched that. It was disgusting because you just you're seeing them. They're just passing the ball, and no one like, what do you do? It was so frustrating to watch. So they've already talked about putting in a shot clock since then. But yeah, that was that's just a fun fact that it kind of comes full circle. So yeah. the guy that you know this whole team leaves for LSU, this guy that comes in from Orlando, played with a former LSU player. Is all is going in to replace LSU players? Just kind of just a weird thing. And then the last transfer that they have that I know of that's coming in is Patrick Chu. He's a six four guard transfer from Brophy College Prep in Phoenix, Arizona. So, okay, so I lied and this is edited in. Uh, this is not part of the conversation with Dal and Gus, um, but there is another player that Murray State is getting from the transfer portal from East Carolina. His name is Marlon Lustin. He's from Montreal. He's a 6'9", 200-pound freshman forward. He played, I mean, he averaged 4.7 minutes on the season this past year. Uh, most games had two to five, maybe two to five minutes a game with seven and 15 standing out against Old Dominion and North Carolina A&M, I think. I don't even know who they played. Uh, so didn't see the floor a lot, had two points on the season, two turnovers on the season, six fouls on the season. So didn't get a lot of run. I think Murray State's going to be a great fit for him just to get more experience, uh, like we talk about with Gus later on. So continue on this, uh, but I'm going to give a shout out to Racer Nation podcast for, uh, following us on Twitter and for me seeing that two days ago, so this is Monday, the two days ago. Uh, that Marlin committed to the racers here. So that's why it wasn't the current most current information, and this is a late addition to the podcast. What do you guys think about this this roster so far? I hope they like playing minutes. <laughs> right. All of those guys are going to get some yeah, major they have minutes. have a lot to go around. And they're going to get minutes. Yeah, there's gonna they're gonna get good minutes in the valley. They're gonna learn how to play real basketball. It's not gonna be any of this four corner stuff that you're talking about, Connor. Yeah. Like they're gonna have to know how to cover back cuts and close out on shooters. So yeah, uh, as long as they like playing minutes, I think uh, they'll find the. Floor. I mean, look at this the size of this. Like the like they have good length for their guards. I mean, they have six 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 five six four six four six seven. But that's it. It stops at they have one power forward right now, um, so they they got to hit the portal a little bit harder. Obviously, it's, it's a hard it's hard to do. Um, that's that's not an easy task, right? Um, so, speaking of the portal, if you could add any player to this team from the portal, who would it be? Uh, I think the number one choice here would have to be a center, right? I would say within the valley, you'd have to go point guard. Hmm. So that's why I mentioned Tyrese Hunter before. Yeah. Why not just go point guard? We've seen like Custard, like run that you know run that uh, that conference in the past. Uh, we we've seen Isaiah Mosley absolutely blow that conference up last season. So like if you have a lead guard that can get the job done, you're gonna be okay in that conference. So that's why I would lean Hunter, uh, you know, from Iowa State, who's one of the top guards in the four. Yeah, yeah. I kind of went. Um... Like, I, I didn't I didn't take I, – I, when I filtered on 247 Sports, I filtered, like, kind of three stars because uh, I didn't know it, – it's just so hard to see, like, you know, a five-star guard go or a five-star center go to Murray State. Uh, so I was looking right. for a center. I went with Yaya Kida from Missouri. He didn't really see the floor a lot last year. I think he's not going to go to a bigger program. I don't think he has enough film or just the body or anything, any stats to – to see that jump for him to go to a bigger program. So I think he's going to go smaller. Um, so this is like Missouri is not super far away for him. Um, he's from like, he's actually from the St. Louis area. And so, like I said, there's another player on here that um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Brit Braxton stacker is from St. Louis. So there's that connection there. Maybe they played together. I just, I just kind of think of that if they can't get a center, then I'm just going to go crazy and get Keyshawn Bryant, uh, the small forward from South Carolina last year. He kind of he kind of just sat the bench. I mean, he didn't he didn't contribute to a lot to a really struggling South Carolina team. So, uh, yeah, just add another wing to it. Why the, why the heck not? What do you think, Dal? 
Yeah, I mean, I as weird as it is to say, like, you can go position, like, if you want to, really. They just need good players. Like, they, yeah. they got so cleared out that I think it's pretty unreasonable to expect them to really be super competitive in year one. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of it is just get as many guys that have talent in as possible. Figure out, like, how to make it work. Like, you know Prom's not going to leave after one year. He's already been at Murray State. He's coming back. So he's probably there for the long haul kind of thing. So just get as many guys in. If you have, you know, seven or eight of them transfer out again next year or leave, like, that's fine. But get as many talented guys in the building at whatever positions you can get them and kind of figure out your core and then go from there. Cause I feel like that you really have to kind of approach this as a like build for 2023, 2024 kind of. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You kind of just, you get, you take what you can get this season and exactly if it works great, if not, don't sweat it. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, it's not, they're not, there are still a ton of transfers out there. So it's not like that they're, kind of behind the times, but this almost feels to me kind of, and it's a little bit different, obviously, because there are multiple places versus one, but it's like whenever you're a coach at a like football program that gets their coordinator coordinator poached like later in the process and you're like, all right, well now a lot of people have already made their hires. Like who are we going to kind of go for? And you just kind of have to do the best what you have. And yeah, I think that's kind of the, mode that I see them in is just like, yeah, just, I mean, just find whoever is good that is interested and get them in and then kind of figure it out from there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I I think the biggest thing for coach is just make compete, make practices competitive. Mm -hmm. So you can, because that way people in there that want to compete every day. And that way you can like actually get development because that's, that's the biggest thing with practices that are competitive is you just lose out on any sort of development that you can do throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. And just also, I mean, some of these guys didn't play with, you know, with prom. So you don't know, they might not know his system has, you know, like it's just, it's a learning curve for some of these guys, obviously, especially the freshmen. So you have this year to establish that next year, you, you get a couple transfer portal pieces early. Uh, you can be competitive there. Uh, you're right back in the, in the thick of things, you know, so we'll see what happens with Murray state. Um, we, in, in, you know, previous episodes, we've kind of done this all time, Murray state, all time, Houston, all time USC roster. If we did this, it would just be five John Morantz. Um, so I'm no, not, I don't think I don't appreciate do that. the campaign and the Isaiah cannon slander that you are <laughs> doing by leaving them out. We talk about what they do at, at Murray State, though, remember we keep that in mind. Not, not so much their NBA. Even career, more so, even more Murray so, State. reason to put Isaiah Cannon and. All right, maybe Isaiah Cannon, but uh, definitely not campaign. Campaign, I mean, he's he's made his money in the NBA for a reason, so uh, he grew into that role. He grew into his skills there. Uh, so we're gonna move on. Dow, can you tell us about Houston's off season so far? Um, at one more one more person. I was just like, scrolling down the the. Mm-hmm. the transfer portal. I think Rocket Watts might be someone that would be yeah. a, a great on this third team. I mean, he was a like a top 40 player that went to Michigan State, ended up going to Mississippi, transferring down to Mississippi State, which I think is kind of a little bit of a step down. He's from the area. I think he's from somewhere in Ohio. Uh, so it's from like relatively close. Like if you're, if you're, if you've gone to two, like, power five schools like that, you're probably looking for a step down. It'd be kind of hard to assume he's going to make another lateral move. So kind of go down a a rung, but he's the kind of guy that's like, all right, you can build your program around him kind of thing. Uh, So I'd love to see them get rocket lots. Uh, All right. Yes. Let's go into Houston though. So Houston has kind of built their, their name uh, behind Kellen Sampson on the transfer portal they're losing uh, – I I have five players on here. So Josh Carlton, Fabian White, Kyler Edwards is the big one, Taze Moore, and then Robbie Armbrester uh, are the, the, the five that they're losing. Uh, they have a couple of five-star – or five, uh, five-star and a four-star coming in uh, from a recruiting standpoint. But um, 
you have any thoughts on on those those guys that are losing? I mean, Kyler Edwards, I think, is the big one. He is is probably going to get at least uh, some some looks from an NBA perspective. Uh, but what do y'all think on the the losses there for Houston? I think June first isn't a really important date for the Houston program. Yeah, that's yeah. the date where you know people are going to decide if they go or they're coming back. So to be honest, the next week for Houston fans is going to be gigantic. And this Wednesday, like, you know, when people are going to be putting this podcast inside their earbuds and inside, uh, you know, on their speakers, that's when 83 pro prospects, including Kyler Edwards and Marcus Sasser, are going to be competing in five-on-fives at the NBA Draft Combine. So what are you rooting for if you're a Houston fan? Are you rooting for them to light it up and do what they did for your program and and represent? Or are you rooting for them to kind of be kind of average, like just okay, and then come back and then you're the number one ranked team preseason uh, next year? So it's a really interesting time to be a Houston fan, to be honest. Like you, you definitely want those guys back, but you're also looking at it realistically thinking, yeah, those are two NBA players, and if they ball out, they're they're gone. Yeah. Like, it's just a matter of what year. And if a team falls in love with one of them, then they're definitely gone. So, if you know, if, if the right set of eyes get, you know, watch the right set of drills and see the right five-on-five scrimmage, they're definitely gone. So, I, I, I think June 1st is a really big date for all Houston fans. No, I agree with that. I, I think the, the tough thing is, so, like, as a Houston fan, I it would probably be stressful, be more stressful than – you know, just like Joe Schmo, like I am um, about it because I look at this Houston team. I look at last season where they had man after man just go down with the injury and they continued to be just dominant in college basketball. And I think that speaks to more of Kelvin Sampson's coaching ability than it does to individual players. And that's no offense to Kyler Edwards and Robbie Armbrester and all, you know, all these guys, Josh Carlson. I think that just speaks to more of the program that uh, Kelvin Sampson has built at Houston where the next man can step up and the system that they, they play in, they can show out and they can be successful there. So as a Houston fan, I would be stressed out um, just because that's who I am as a person. I mean, I'm stressed out by Kentucky's roster and we're returning Oscar Sheway and Sevier Wheeler. I shouldn't be stressed out, but I am. Uh, but as just somebody like just giving you advice, trust your coach. Like you have, a Hall of Fame coach right there who is going to have Houston right back in things, if not this year, then the right the next year. But, um, you know, like Wednesday, you know, root for Kyler Edwards. That, right. The kid deserves it. He's been – I mean, he's, he's played in a national championship game. He's made it to the Final Four. He's been successful, as almost as successful as you can be in college basketball. He deserves a shot at the NBA. I don't, I don't know if he necessarily can make it in the league. Uh, but if there's a kid that's going to prove me wrong, it's going to be Kyler Edwards. So uh, definitely root for him on that in that front there. So I, I think Houston shouldn't have to worry. But the initial concern is there because, I mean, you have two incoming players, and that's about it. You know, So you got to see what happens with the roster. But there are still a lot of really good options out there in the portal. So I wouldn't stress too much because Kelvin Sampson is going to get you right back where you need to be. So just to speak to that, you, I mean, Connor, you mentioned how they lost their two top scorers, we'll say. They started the preseason as the number 11th ranked team in Ken Palm. They finished the season as the second ranked team in Ken Palm after somehow, their two best players. And somehow got a fifth seed, which is gross. Yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned the coaching. Yeah, that if that doesn't speak to it, whether you're like an X's and O's type basketball follower or if you're, you know, a more of a metric uh, numeric type uh, basketball fan, either way, that guy's doing a great job. And he rightly won the CBS, you know, college basketball coach of the year this past season. Yeah, absolutely. And then just to speak to, you know, who they have coming back. One of one of my favorite players of the season last season is uh, their lead guard Jamal Shedd. Uh, the video of him picking up the garbage after a tough yeah. loss when a couple of teammates or you know a couple of people in the program that were walking down the same hallway you know kicked it over out of disgust of the loss, and you see him stop, make a decision, 
and then just start picking stuff and putting it back into the garbage can. Like, that's the type of character that Houston has, and that's the type of player and student athlete that that program produces. So I, I, I really love what he does. And if you bring Sasser back, and then you pair them with Tremont Mark, that's literally the best returning backcourt in college basketball. Like, stop, end of sentence, done. That And then, you know, thus gives you the number one ranking uh, preseason overall as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, Sasser coming back is a big deal. But guess what? If they just have Mark and Shed back, okay. And then, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, Dow, yeah. you mentioned you mentioned the five stars. Uh, Jerace Walker, he's their highest ranked recruit they've got since Coach Sampson has been there. He is right. a legit 6'8", legit difference maker. He's going to see the floor right away. And, of course, he falls right into line with what their program, you know, protocols are. You got to defend. He's going to defend. So I, I like what they have coming back. Jawan Roberts, 6'7", like fits their profile as well. So I don't think it's I don't think they're in terrible shape either way. Even if both of those guys go to the draft, they're going to come back and have players and, you know, veteran guards that have been there, done that before. So the, the, yeah. Houston, I mean, they, they have two major decisions. Uh, coming at the end of this month. Yep. But even if those decisions don't go necessarily, quote-unquote, the Houston Cougar way, they're still going to be fine. And and what's uh, nice, too, is what Sasser's a junior, but Shed is a sophomore. Yep. They obviously are bringing in those two high recruits, including uh, one that's a that's the, their, uh, top 10 recruit in the country. So yep. even McDonald's, if – McDonald's All-American, yeah, yeah. Yeah, even if you do take a slight step back – one, a slight step back from being the second like ranked team on Kimpom is still pretty damn good. And you are still set up for the future, too, because theoretically they could have everyone back other than maybe Sasser from this from this team in two years. So you're like, if you want to call it like a bridge year or whatever, like, oh, be a six seed in the tournament well i guess they were a five seed this year and they were the second best team so it doesn't exactly like uh paint it well but like yeah i mean you you come in be an an eight seed in the tournament this year say if you take even a step back slightly and then you're right back in the thick of being one of the best teams in the country in in two years so it's a it's definitely a, a pretty sweet outlook if you're a houston cougar fan yeah, advent, advantageous to say the least. And I think every program in America, and I know that, you know, the listeners to your podcast, Connor and Dal, are, are listeners of some of the biggest programs in the United, you know, in, in our sport, whether it be Kentucky or Texas Tech or what have you. Every single program in the country would love to have a step down year where you're seven for an eight seed. <laughs> True. That's, a, yeah. that's our step down year. Uh, okay, great. Yeah, yeah. All right, so like we did with Murray State, if you get out a player from the portal or an uncommitted freshman uh, recruit that would be coming in, who would it be? Mm. Maybe let's do this because they need so much. Let's do let's if you could add two, if you had two players to this team, are we not counting the the two decisions that they have? The two that are. Month? Um. Yeah, like not counting that. Let's let's assume they're gone. Let's see, let's assume okay. both are gone. Just operate out of that, just for fun. I think that you still would want to replace Carlton and White. Uh, White turned into a little bit of do everything for them, but he definitely was one of their anchors on defense and gave them paint touches on offense. Carlton, obviously, one of the defensive stoppers, a good rim protector. So I think that would be the area to address immediately if you were looking in the transfer portal. 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", little bouncy, defensive-minded, not necessarily gifted offensively, but somebody that you can anchor some of your defense around for at least 20 minutes a game. I'm looking through here. I mean, I feel like that I'm going to say this for anyone that we that we say, but Matthew Mayer would just be yeah. great, such a great addition for them. Uh, yeah. But he's kind of one Either of him. Go ahead. I was going to say, he's just like one of those glue guys that kind of, he would work for anyone because he is just good at the game of basketball. So, Kentucky fans will hate me for this, but I actually think Keon Brooks would be a great addition to this team. Uh, That'd be fabulous. 
What was that, Dal? I said he would he would be a great addition to any team as well. Like he's yeah yeah. Well. I just he's going to a, you go to a smaller conference, so even he already he already was productive at the SEC level, but you're going to a small smaller conference, so his, his stats will be even more inflated or seem like it uh, because Houston was at the top of that conference of the American, right? So um, you, you have that going for him. Uh, and then also, I just think if there's anybody that's going to make a really good defender out of Keon Brooks, it would be it would be Kelvin Sampson. I think that would be the guy. Like I, I can just see him being really successful there. The other there's two other options I have here for the for the other player, um, either uh, Malachi Smith from Chattanooga, oh boy, or Xavier Pinson. Uh, one of those two I think would be fine under like under Samson. I think he would have the he would have that team as a you know at least an elite eight team. Uh, getting the if you got one of those two players to join Keon Brooks and come back or come to Houston. Oh, I think I think that would just be an incredibly fun team. Pinson is on his way to New Mexico State, I believe. So he might be oh, out of he? that equation. But you know, you mentioned Brooks, and that brought to mind you know one of the darlings of last March. And if we're going to go like defensive stopper on the inside, Casey and Defo, St. Peter's two years ago, he yeah. led the, he led the country in block shots and averaged almost four a game. He has a year of eligibility left. Does he come back to St. Peter's? Does he not? I, I, I don't know. So we'll, I, I think that might be an interesting name to keep track of, especially for a very defensive minded program like Houston. That could mm-hmm. get interesting. I wonder if he's going to follow uh, follow Sheet and go to go to Seton Hall there. Maybe. Kind of wonder. Yeah, yeah. Just being his last year and a little bit step up in the program. Also, another name that we can almost throw on any team, like we talked about, Dal is you know Patrick Baldwin Jr. Yep. When that was uh, what I thought you were going to say when you said Keon. Uh, yeah. I but- mean, like. Ideally, he's a cat, so um, we're just going to leave it at that. But uh, <laughs> no, he, I think he would fit almost on any team. As just he, especially under Kelvin Sampson, he would be he would be his draft stock would be back to being a top five pick and would be incredible under Kelvin Sampson. I, actually, I feel like speaking of speaking of people that are that are um, defensive minded. I mean, Brian Antoine would be a great fit for them too. He, he was kind of, yeah, almost, he's almost defensive to a fault in that, like his offensive yeah. game seemed to not really be, be there at all. But the, the kind of, I mean, he has the pedigree to, to come in and be able to, to play anywhere. And uh, on a team, like we said, that is their culture is definitely defense first. Uh, he would be – he seems like he would be a great fit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, another name I think I could see them adding is Teddy Allen uh, from uh, the Aggies there. I, I don't know. I just – you got a, a shooting guard that's defensive-minded as well. That just seems like right up Kelvin Simpson's alley. So uh, we can see what happens there. So I don't know. if we If we probably exhausted all the options of the portal at this point, uh, so Houston will be fine. Just Houston fans trust, trust in Kelvin Sampson. He's, he's made you a relevant program in the last five years. Uh, he's going to continue to do that. There's no reason to believe he wouldn't. So, uh, we will continue on to one of my favorite parts of the off season has been selecting all time lineups for the, the teams that we're covering. So tonight we're going to select Houston's all time lineup. I think the two obvious players here like you can't this is just the easiest home run players right here Clyde and Hakeem right like that we're not arguing these two I, I, I um, I'd argue we can't argue three of them oh uh, yeah that's true I, I I just went with the two just because those are probably the two most famous Houston players Gus, ever Gus is a big Quentin Grimes <laughs> fan that's that's who you're talking about right <laughs> playing well for the Knicks doing all right over there yeah there you go uh, but I mean, Clyde. Obviously, the the infamous story is that the Blazers Blazers took Clyde and they passed up Michael Jordan because they had Clyde. That's how good he was at the time. Uh, unfortunate for the Blazers because they also passed up on KD, so they missed on two generational players. But uh, I digress. And then Hakeem, obviously, you know, stayed in Houston, had his career in Houston. I mean, I went to Toronto later on, but you know, he made his money there in uh, H Town. So. 
what are the other players that we're adding to this? We already have our shooting guard, and we already have our center. Well, I, you said a third player, yeah, guess. Who is your third player, guess? El- Elvin Hayes. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think that that he falls into the category, and you can argue that he might even go above Drexler and is on the same tier as Olajuwon. Uh, you know, if we're just gonna look, you know, we always mention, yeah. uh, we always mention, you know, oh, back in the day, like Elvin Hayes is back in the day, pre three point line, sixty yep. point game in college, thirty seven rebound game in college, all time NBA great. Yeah, like Elvin, yeah, Elvin Hayes is definitely on that tier, and I would even argue that he's as inarguable as the first two that you placed on there. So. I, I think rightly so. He is uh, among the, the Houston uh, Phi Slamma Jamma or, or Pi Slamma Jamma, if you will, <laughs> uh, Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any other uh, suggestions after Elvin? I, 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 mean, I, feel uh, like, I feel like it kind of drops off after that, to be honest. I'm looking right now on Real GM. They have like the all-time uh, anyone from Houston that has made the, the list, and I feel like that it does kind of drop off a little bit after – I, yeah, the names aren't super noticeable or noteworthy like those three are. Uh, I see like on I'm, – I'm looking on Ranker, um, so not like the most uh, <laughs> accurate of information. Definitely skewed, but like Otis Birdsong. Love Otis. Uh, he, you know, like he, he's from Winter Haven, so I'm, I'm going to give him the nod and just make him our starting point guard if that's cool with you guys. I, I, uh, I think so, he deserves a spot on the team. He scored uh, over 2,800 career points as a Cougar and had the, uh, you know, was lucky enough to see him play in the NBA as a New Jersey net and could light it up from all three levels. He was a three level score for before it was a phrase uh, completely underrated, maybe didn't reach his potential in the NBA, but absolute scoring machine in college. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, who else, Dal, do you think that we can add and to this In terms here? of just longevity in the NBA, Bo Outlaw was a name that that mm-hmm. uh, jumped out. Um, Good man. Former Orlando Magic as well, so I'm going right, right. to agree with that there. Had a 15-year career in the NBA. Wasn't like a huge score. I mean, looks like he averaged like 5-5 five and five essentially. Uh, but, yeah, I mean – Whenever you play 15 years in the NBA, you're you're up there. Bo Outlaw, tremendous uh, off-ball rim protector. Uh, had games of 10, 11, 7 blocks while at Houston. Really gifted defender. Uh, sacrificed his offensive game for uh, the betterment of the team on the defensive end. And, you know, played on some of those really good Suns teams for sure. He seems uh, like my, he would be... I would say he seems like he would be someone that would be – it would be interesting to see how he played in the modern NBA because um, he didn't really shoot threes at all. Um, I mean, he wasn't really much of an offensive threat at all. But, it, like, guys like him that are that were so good in terms of their off-ball defense, which is so important nowadays, like, it would be just interesting to see, like, kind of how – what role be, he played in the modern NBA. He'd be like Brandon Clark from the Grizzlies. Mm, that's a – yeah. yeah, with less scoring, Pretty but fun. like that type of impact on the offensive and defensive end. Yeah, and my I I, I have a couple of nominations. My my one is this player makes the list of maybe the last, maybe the five least likely players that you would want to meet in a dark alley. I mean, if we're thinking <laughs> like Charles Oakley or maybe Terry Cummings or that type of player, Greg Cadillac Anderson, I think, definitely fits the bill. Uh, yeah. Great career with the with the San Antonio Spurs, but even you know more impressive career as a Houston Cougar, uh, and plus one of the best nicknames uh, going uh, as far as Cadillac goes. I would not I would want to run into yep. him. I'd be happy if he was on my team and on my side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another name, and we do this, and we we really try to put the emphasis on their time at the school they're at. So this doesn't really apply here. Uh, but another name I'm going to just mention because love this dude even though he was kind of cheeks there at the end of his career with Orlando is Jonathan Simmons. Uh, you know, like let's be honest. He was there from, he was at Houston from 2011, 2012. Didn't do great. He ended up like his story. I remember hearing it as a magic fan. You hear it like all the time, you know, he'd like 
had to pay for the tryout for San Antonio, got traded from San Antonio to Orlando, and then became a quality like role player for Orlando. And even, you know, there for a while was starting for them. So incredible story, but obviously he didn't like, he just wasn't that great. His age was definitely a factor, but uh, very cool that I didn't know that he played at Houston. Um, so it was cool to learn that when I was looking this up. Uh, are there any other names that like, so like he wouldn't make my top five and six man, but that's just the name that I like that played for Houston. Are there any other names that you guys like that you want to give a shout out as a uh, former Houston Cougars? No, I, th- I think we might have our team there and our, yeah. and our six man. I think we might have to go uh, Hakeem, Clyde, Elvin, Otis, yep. Birdsong. Uh, Bo Outlaw, Cadillac Anderson, and then, you know, if we want to argue over the six man, I think we could, but I think that I feel pretty strong about that Houston all-time team. That's a scary all-time team. Where do you think if we were to compare, well, I mean, I think, I think we already know the answer, but let's say, let's say we take the all-time UConn team that we did last week, Dal, versus this Mm. Houston team. Who would win in a best of three? I mean, or let's do best of five, best of five. That's a tough question because that that UConn. Are we doing the the was... UConn women's team or the UConn men's team? <laughs> Great question, men's Dow. Team. Very good, Dow. Very good. Uh, UConn men's team. For the listeners who didn't listen to last week's episode, shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. You should. Uh, we get it. You should go listen to it because it's a good episode. Russ provided some great detail. But the all-time UConn starting five with the six man that we had last last week was Kemba Walker at the point guard, Ray Allen at the shooting guard, Rip Hamilton at the small forward wing. Uh, Cliff Robinson at the at the four, and then you had Amika Okafor at the five with Ben Gordon uh, backing up, coming off the bench. No Karan Butler. Man. We didn't put Karan. Wow, Butler. I'm surprised. Yeah, that see, I, I mean, who does he start over in that? Though I, I, I have no idea. That's a stacked lineup. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very tough lineup. So I think if we're going, if we're going like an all time team where we where we have more than just a starting five, UConn wins pretty easily, but. I mean, you name you name those guys, and granted, if we're if we're judging it based on college performance, it might be slightly different. But I mean, yeah, I find it hard to say that Houston doesn't have the two best players across yeah. three across those yeah. ten. Yeah, three. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I mean, so it's tough. That's a tough thing. Houston's a much more modern, a much more modern team with. Kimba, Ray Allen, Rip Hamilton. I mean, all those guys are after the Hakeem Clyde. But I mean, my name is Pi Slamma Jamma, and this is the Houston episode. <laughs> so I feel like I gotta go. I feel like I gotta go Houston on that one. Yeah, I think it comes down to like there's nobody stopping Hakeem in the paint. Like I don't. No. Amiko Okafor is not stopping Hakeem. Cliff Robinson's not stopping Hakeem. Uh, I think the backcourt, I'll give a nod to UConn's backcourt. I think they, the backcourt wins that matchup, but the frontcourt, I mean, you just can't stop. And and as we've seen, uh, even when Orlando had Shaq and Penny, which are probably one of the two greatest you know combos, like duos, NBA duos of all time, they couldn't even stop Hakeem. So yeah. uh, just to see what he, he could do, he was very good. I think he's, he's a very underrated NBA player all time. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I agree with you, Dow. I think Houston wins this one. But it would be tough because style of play definitely plays, you know, has a factor to it. Clyde, we don't know what he was like as a three-point shooter for the for the entirety of his career. He, he didn't get – he didn't have that opportunity. So, um, all things considered, I think it would be a fun matchup. I might might do a sim on that later in 2K and see what we come Ooh, up with. Be, that, that sounds like a fun <laughs> exercise. Yeah, it'd be pretty fun. Uh, so, all right. If you guys don't have anything else, let's move on to the last call. So, Russ, or wow, I said Russ because I have the <laughs> I have the Yukon uh, notes pulled up. Not Russ, Gus. What do you have for us with your last call? But <laughs> oh no, last call is uh, just enjoy all the information that comes out of the the NBA draft combine uh, and the five on five scrimmages. Enjoy the, the, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals for NBA. It's always nice when you see one of those old college players that you followed, like actually contributing, whether it be Peyton Pritchard yeah. or somebody else like that. That's always a fun little, uh, you know, that's always like rewarding. Like you, you feel like you did your homework as a college basketball fan, knowing that he would not be afraid of that moment. And, uh, you know, just keep tuning in to, to Beers and Buckets. Beers and Buckets. 
Good point. And screen the screener. We gotta we gotta give a shout out to screen the screener. Yeah. So uh, Mike and I will get back after it, and we're gonna try to uh, craft something a little different for the upcoming NBA draft. We have a couple of ideas, so Ooh, we're gonna looking forward. Hopefully, to that. have that, right. and uh, of course, we'll try to grab a couple of good guests. Before we get to last calls, you had one uh, one kind of sleeper guy that you're one or two sleeper guys that you're really interested in in the NBA draft. Uh, who who you have your eye on? Uh, I'll I'll go first. Really like and have liked because I've watched a, a zillion Gonzaga games. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, uh, larger, longer guard, measured really well at the combine. I think he's going to find his way into the first round somewhere. Has lead guard skills, takes good care of the ball, actually can shoot it from three, and has like one of these ridiculous wingspans. Uh, that they'll probably talk about uh, and be part of his profile, like on the crawl during the draft. Really like what Jordan Hall does from St. Joe's. I feel like he's similar to Jalen Williams, maybe plays a little bit more at his own speed. Uh, definitely one of these modern day three and D guys. He might be one of like those hidden treasures, like we were talking about pre-recording. Yep. And you know, Dow, like I'm going to give some props to your guy, Jake Laravia. I think he's going to find his way into the league, and he might even get his name called inside the first round. So those are the three guys that I'm kind of paying attention to under the, the radar. The best player, the best player to ever come from Indiana State. They've never produced any other talent. <laughs> um, no, I was. So That's I a joke for anyone who doesn't pay attention. <laughs> yes, there's a man. There's a man who is looks like a gym teacher, but his name is Larry Bird. That came from Indiana State. Uh no, I uh, I was listening to I was mentioned earlier. Raphael Barlow uh, took over Chad Ford's NBA Big Board um, podcast, and he he. So I feel like that there will. This is kind of just a general trend with this draft, considering there are there isn't like a super set hierarchy. But I feel like there are a lot of people that are the in the he could slip into the lottery range where you have probably 25 guys that could be in the like top 14, yeah. top 14 picks kind of thing. Uh, but he was mentioning Jalen Williams as someone that he was like, after the combine, he was like, I, he has the potential to slip into the lottery. Um, so he was, was super high. I feel like that I've heard his name mentioned across a couple of different podcasts. Uh, so I think that's a really good call. I mean, I'm, I'm pumped for the draft. I feel like it'll be, it'll be a ton of fun. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this has been fun. Dow, do you have anything you want to close us out with for last call? Because I got nothing, man. Um, I'm, I'm good. I'll just say enjoy all of the Star Wars and Marvel content that is coming soon. Uh, yes. Connor did the, the hello there from Kenobi. Uh, that's exciting. It's not Marvel or Star Wars, but Top Gun Maverick comes out. I think Top Gun is a little bit overrated, uh, but still very, very good. And... This uh, this new one looks fun. Uh, while we were recording, the new Thor Love and Thunder uh, trailer came out where we act, finally yeah. got a look at Gore the God Butcher. Christian Bale is going to absolutely murder that role. Um, so just enjoy good content that is fun. Definitely, definitely. And uh, shout out to Lightning for sweeping. And uh, I'm, ready for, I'm ready for Stanley Cup, man. Three Pete, let's go. So... All right, you guys have a great week. Make sure you like, rate, re- leave a review, whatever you need to do. Share this podcast. Uh, share it, screen the screener. Give Gus some love. And uh, we would love to have you back on again, Gus. We appreciate you coming on, man. Cheers. Thank you for the invite. Uh, always nice to talk to your audience. And uh, your audience is very educated and very passionate. So thanks for letting me share some space with you. Thank you, man. Dal, you have a great week, bud. You too. Cheers, guys. Cheers.